Did you know that a 529 could be used for secondary education? It can also even be used, as of very recently, for homeschool expenses. Tax-free growth for 18 years is nice, but it's not life-changing. You know what's really life-changing? Gender reassignment surgery? What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Welcome back to the Abraham's Wallet Podcast, Stephen. I want to welcome you back. I don't accept your welcome because I wanted to welcome you back. I, re- so, I receive your welcome. Welcome. Okay, I, I great. It. Here we are. Here okay. we are. Um, yep, I'm the host now. You're my guest. Okay. <laughs> That's established. What's happening? Uh, what is happening? We are getting ready for Shabbat. I'm going to be roasting a lamb for Shabbat oh. tonight. Uh, wow. It was actually a leftover from Lodo Feb. They had a sale on lamb at Costco. And I said, and, and that, that was in January. And I said, oh, I'll get that. I'll stick it in the chest freezer and that'll feed us for a few nights. Um, you never got around to it. Never did. So we're going to have some friends over and eat that tonight. Um, shanks is not shanks if it's going to feed a whole bunch of people. It's it's a leg. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. You're going to roast it. Yep. Texas. Texas lifted mask mandates this past week. Bless them. Yeah. And I'll tell you something about Texas and I'll also tell you here in Ohio, some some good things have happened, which are promising for our event business. One is that Ohio uh, said that you can now have dancing at weddings. So, you know, I guess the global pandemic has agreed to stay away from Michael Jackson uh, played it at weddings. I don't know. I don't know the reasoning behind it. All I know is they're letting you dance at weddings now. That's good. And they raised the number of people that can come to an event to 300. So this is my official. Hey, I think it's, I think it's time to plan weddings actually all over the nation. And if what you, if, if you're a listener and you think we want to plan a destination wedding in Florida or Texas, you should you should look up vivabellaevents.com or that's what I think maybe Mississippi. Well, Mississippi is an option if you're from there. If you, you wanted might to want do to a, there. maybe a crawfish boil and a Mississippi <laughs> Delta wedding. I don't know. Okay. You're a big fan yeah, that's of JD possible. Vance, uh, something like that. Yeah, maybe. If you're JD Vance, then you should come to Ohio. But oh, anyways, most people want to have. Destination weddings in Florida, in which case we would love to we'd love to help you plan that or your masked event in Ohio. Anyways, let's stop talking about that. Let's talk about Texas because this is a place where you and I visit because of family. And do you know, can you tell us how your uh, how did your parents do on, with the big uh, ice storm 2021? Uh, overall, pretty good. My... My dad has a extremely well constructed house that was uh, 
actually quite warm throughout the whole thing just by running the fireplace. My mom also had a fireplace at her house and um, has a multiple extremely fancy generators, none of which worked at all because the gas lines <laughs> froze. Uh, Perfect. So there you go for being a prepper. Uh, I guess it takes more than than just a good idea. Uh, yeah. How about your folks? I know Roger and Linda... They don't live in a in a new build. No, they 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 suffered a little bit uh, with the big ice storm, so they they lost power for a couple of days. So they didn't want to get out on ice covered roads in their minivans. So basically, they would go sit in the driveway for out an hour at a time, warm up in their cars. And then return to the home to be freezing cold. And yes, th- then I think on day three of no power, then their water lines broke. So they were then without water. Oh, no. And they're, and they're still in the process of, I think this weekend, the insurance adjuster is going to come see how much of the rebuild of your house are we going to cover. And it's not it's not been what people in their 80s really want to really fuss with. So Man. it's been a long haul. My my biggest question from all of that is what the heck are they doing driving a minivan at this stage in life? What should they be driving? I don't know. I could see Roger in a, you know, 1958 Corvette and Linda maybe having a nice little Chevy Traverse or some sort of sensible, comfortable SUV. Oh, well, my my I, my mom probably would go with an SUV. She just wants to be up high. Um, and she wants to be able to haul grandkids around when, when that, when the moment calls for it, my dad would love like an avalanche. He wants a, he wants something that feels like a truck ish kind of thing. Cause he has golf clubs and stuff in the back. So a minivan does that for him. He would feel much more masculine if he had a truck machine. I know that you having a truck makes you feel masculine. So it would do the same thing for my dad, except except the kind of truck he wants won't fit into the garage. So he's oh, stuck. Oh, man. I understand that. It, when we got a truck, it was a long battle of, do we go try to find a contractor who can add a foot to our garage? And finally, I said, you know what? I really just want to get a truck. So I'm going to park it outside. No problem. And it was it was a gift from the Lord. I, I don't know if he shortened our truck or if he lengthened the garage or neither, but uh, the truck fits in the garage with one and a half inches to spare front and back. Are so, you kidding me? So I have a series of extremely delicately placed hanging <laughs> tennis balls that guide me in. And Amelia, it my must wife... must be exactly right. No one else will park the truck because the, there's zero chance that they're not hitting the, the wall sure. at the end if they try. Wow. wow. Um, hey, we have a new a novelty that's going to happen on this podcast that has never happened before on an Abraham's Wallet podcast. Well, you know what I like? If you're about to introduce a new segment, you know what I like to do? I, in, I like to introduce new segment music. So although I don't know what it is, here comes the new segment music for what? what is the segment that's coming up, by the way. We have a sponsor for this episode. Are you serious? I'm serious. And God bless America. Okay, here comes new sponsor music. Huh? You like that? I did. 
It All was, right, go ahead. I know it was wonderful. Uh, I trust that it was wonderful. But here's the deal. We don't we don't take money here at the Abraham's Wallet Podcast. <laughs> oh, shoot. We can't be bought. So for a long we time... We can't be bought. For a long a time, I have wanted to put shine a little... Our, our little lamp of whatever light yes. we have onto some of the businesses that the people who listen to this podcast are starting. And I keep I'm hearing in favor them with this idea. Yeah. And I have always thought, man, I wish everyone that listens to Abraham's wallet could know about this so that they could go out and support businesses from like minded, multi generational family leadership dudes. Uh like Viva Abella events. And Viva women, Bella yes. Events. Women owned, yeah. Viva Bella events. Um, yeah, and minority owned too. That's true. So if your corporation needs that little checkbox, you know, we, we could do that for you too. So yeah, let me just interrupt you here and say, I'm sure you were going to do this, but hey, if, you, if you're an Abrahamic kind of family and you have a small business that you want promoted, you should just tell us. And and we won't do them all at once, so you might have to wait a while, but we'd we, love to shine some shine some joy your way. That's right. We may not do yours. It depends if we like your business. Uh, oh, that's or true. If we think it's a good fit. If you have a restaurant in Des Moines, we bless it. But we're not gonna we're not gonna talk okay. about that here. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. We'll talk about that when we go on our road trip to Des Moines and we are sitting right. in it. But um, all right. I just saw this. I was browsing my social media. It was on LinkedIn, so that's probably the social media I most commonly browse, and. A guy who I'm connected to, who's listener of the podcast, uh, has talked to me about this idea in the past, and I, I always kind of thought, oh, that's something that they're working on. Maybe someday it will see the light of day, and that day has come. And the company wow. is called Bind and Impress. And um, Bind and Impress, do you know? Do you know where that comes from? Steve? Yeah, I believe it's. I'm gonna guess. Because if you're ready to correct me, I think it's Deuteronomy 6, which says that we're supposed to bind and impress God's words on our children. That's right. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So having gotten that reference right, I'm going to give myself a ding right here. Thank you very much. One point. Uh, this company exists uh, to equip families with the word of God. Uh, together towards Christ, his creation, and towards multi-generational family building. Uh, One of the products that Binding Impress has under their umbrella right now is called Stick to Scripture. Stick to Scripture are post-it notes with God's Word written on them. Now, you could use these on your refrigerator, in your car, at your desk, in your child's lunch, or anywhere you need to be reminded of God's truth and unfailing love. So Uh, simple. And these guys, they didn't just, they were, they were actually quite uh, happy and surprised when I said, hey, I think we should talk about this on the podcast. But they went a step further. For our audience, they created a discount. So if You're you, kidding me. No. If you go this to, is like a sponsor. I know, except we didn't get any money. It's everything else about <laughs> it is like a sponsor. <laughs> um, but if you go I to like buy... I get a discount code. If you go to bindandimpress.com slash discount slash Abraham's Wallet, we'll work on shortening that URL in the future for sponsors. Okay, all right. But all right. Uh, 
you can get free shipping on anything that you you buy there and the reason this sticks out to me is because we put little notes in our girls lunches every day my wife is very thoughtful about decorating our house with scripture so there's mm. strategically placed scripture that speaks about who you are in Christ um, that reflects into their bathroom mirror. She's like, I want them reading what's true, not looking at the mirror as they become That's teenage awesome. girls. Um, there's scriptures in our kitchen, the uh, and there's scripture in our door when you come in the house. There's just different things that we say at different times, but these are just really nice little stickies. And right now I've got a stack of note cards that we use to write notes to our girls. And I have to throw away like 20% of them because they say things like, you know, you're an independent woman that can do what you want. And then the other 80% are good little sayings and that's our note cards. And I'm like, well, this one sucks. Um, Yes. These, I am placing my order right now, uh, are awesome because they are all the word of God. And what, what better thing to stick in the lunch, write a little, hey, I love you. I'm thinking of you. Have a great day. And that's what I'm going to use my stickies for. Fantastic. And that's our, uh, that's our Bind and Impress sponsor for the day. Yeah. And if you guys think this sounds good, please go buy some of these things. Because if, if we talk about a business here and they say, well, we didn't get any orders, uh, I don't know. Then we, we don't have as fun of a sponsor segment. All right. So since they're not sponsoring us in any way, we're going to not call this the sponsor segment. We'll call this something like Spotlight Corner. Well, um, what, what are we talking about today? So this is the month of March. And in the month of March, in our day job as financial planners, we shine a light on education and parenting so the way that we do our ongoing rhythm we kind of work with people in a variety of ways we do financial plans end to end cover it all but then once we're done with that a lot of people stick around and we have a different focus area each month just so that we make sure we cover a family's whole financial life in a given year and the month of march is education and parenting and so we thought hey we could talk about this even to the people who are not our clients, because we're thinking this month about yeah. uh, education and parenting. And so we're not going to cover all of the knowledge that there is to be had in the realms of education no. and parenting today. No. And we kind of owe you guys a uh, a money, an actionable money-focused podcast. We've been talking elders for a few weeks now. I know we finished that series with how does your, your financial life and eldership uh, intertwine, but uh, I thought to, to start and maybe we, we cover some more money and, and parent some more education and parenting stuff later, but I thought to start we would just kind of hit the, the thing that's on most people's mind, which is how do I approach saving for education and funding education? Uh, right for my children and even if we have time we could talk a little bit about multi-generational education plans so what do i do if okay, i'm great what do i do if i'm a gray-haired guy that wants to uh make sure my kids get educated well in the future yeah okay well let me set this up uh, biblically and then you can start us into some tactics um first of all if you're if you're new to us then you might not have heard us uh 
blather on and on about this. So I'll just set up the fact that we understand the scripture that's in Proverbs 22, 6. It's a, it's a the, probably the most commonly referred to child training scripture, which says, train up a child in the way they should go. And as they grow old, they'll not depart from it. And I'll just say I have seen uh, families all my life who thought that that meant if we take our kids to church, they'll keep going to church until they die. And that's not what the scripture says. It says if you train up a child in the way they should go. So, for instance, if you train your child how to uh, nail two four two by fours together and you tell them the correct way to hold a hammer and drive a nail and you're the first to market on that. You're the first one that tells them this is the correct way to do that. And you train them in that. And training means that I you see me do it and I explain it. Um, I let you do it with me and then you do it. And then I watch you and give you feedback as you're doing it. And then you get to do it all your own and become a master of a skill. That's what training is. Training is not exposure. Training is somebody holding your hand to something and and letting you uh, apply it and then coaching you through that. It says, if you train up a child in the way they shall go, they'll not depart from it. Now, that verse is most commonly applied to spiritual formation of our children, which it should be. That should be the primary thing that we're concerned about training our children up, which is how to walk with God in the ways that God has set up. It's not limited, however, to spiritual training. Well, Paul told Timothy, um, spiritual training, I mean, physical training has some value, but spiritual training has value in everything, both in this life and the life to come. So Paul would say, let's not poo-poo other kinds of training. So if you want to train your kids in a skill for a career, that's great. If you want to train your kids in how to think, that's great. If you want to train your kids in how to think about history and have a worldview, if you want to train your kids in how to do math and sciences, all of these things are great. So what we recommend for fathers is that you would take a broad idea of how do I want to train up my children? What skills do I want them to have? I'll give you a totally nothing example. I like basketball. I grew up playing basketball. Guess what? I want my kids playing basketball. So I help coach basketball teams. I, we have a basketball hoop at my house which we had put in for some expense. I spend time with them. I'm training them in how to play basketball. So it's not as important as godliness, but it's something I want them grown in. Now, I am amazed when I see how many parents shrug their shoulders at the educational formation of their children and just go, I don't know. I've actually heard people say, those people are professionals. I'm an amateur, so I'll just punt my kids to whatever the handiest, easiest education they can possibly have is. And I'll just, I'll just let it go where it may. I would say we're supposed to train up our children in the way they should go. They're supposed to make, we're supposed to make intentional choices regarding their education. So we'll talk about that more in a second. Um, but I'll, I'm almost done here, Mark. My one thing I want to throw in here, when I mentioned that 
verse, train up a child, it reminds me of my favorite child training book, which is called To Train Up a Child. And these are written by like Mennonite people. So there's like spanking talk in it. And you might think they're out there or fringe people. So I'm just warning you if you get interested. But for my money, as far as training your children and disciplining them in love because you want them trained in self-control and obedience. It's my favorite book on the topic. And lastly, I'll just say Proverbs 16:9 also says, in his heart, a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. And it sounds like from that verse that God loves the fact that we would make plans and we would have intentions of course, our plans aren't going to all unravel the, the way that we think they will. And of course, if we think, well, I'm going to, I've got seven kids. All right. I'm going to set up, you know, education accounts for all of them. It might be the case that all seven of your kids don't end up going to university. So you might've saved up money and it didn't work out. We're not talking about masterminding in a controlling way, what your, how your kids are going to grow up. We're talking about making plans in our heart and going, look, if I'm the father and I need to provide for my family, this is one of the things I want to provide for them is, is avenues of education. And then as they walk in them, we want to be open-handed, plans can change, et cetera, et cetera. But we really encourage the sitting down, the making of plans, and then trying to fund those plans. All right, that's the setup. Excellent. So, I, I think that when we talk about education, I, I just want to agree with everything you said, but also say there's a whole heck of a lot more to training than education. There's a probably our most our most popular podcast we've ever done was a podcast that you recorded like on your phone in the back of a room yes. with uh it was on training children right yep and yeah we'll i think we'll talk more about parenting in, in the future and yeah child training that one's called the great commission at home if you want to go back and and look for it so we have lots to say on on training in general we're not we're not at all in favor of just handing your kids over to any school institution uh, and calling that fulfilling your obligation to training. No. However, a lot of you uh, are thinking about school and it is a major expense. So um, we uh, here at Abraham's Wallet, we're big fans of homeschooling, um, but we aren't yep. exclusively homeschooling people. We believe nope. We believe in Christian education holistically. Meaning that yes. your responsibility is to not just, um, you know, I see ditches on all si all sides of this issue. You can say, sure. well, we're just going to ship our kids to the government school and hope it goes well. Uh, you know, when I think about scripture on that front, I think First Corinthians fifteen thirty three that says, "Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals." And uh, you need to think very hard with your kids where you're going to put them for sometimes eight hours of their day. Um, yes. And the, the, the experience they're having there is one of, it's going to be a discipling experience whether you want it to be or not. Th that's a great point. Your children will be discipled by where they spend their time. 
I, I, I don't know uh, all of your educational experience, but my formative years um, up through fifth grade, I went to a, a Christian private school in which we really loved, my family loved. And then when I, I went, I transitioned into public school in from sixth grade onward. And my mom, who saw um, education as under her purview, she got a job at the school that me and my sister went to. So she kept very close tap and she quit her career to do that. She just was a bookkeeper at the school and kept very close tabs on what are they teaching my kids in philosophy? What are they teaching my kids in their science class about evolution? What are they teaching my kids in sociology about the value of, of humans who are made in God's image, et cetera. And I really appreciate that looking back. I thought she's so intrusive um, back then, but I really appreciate the fact that, that, that she was, she was taking care of those things. Yeah. She was, uh, she was guarding the deposit that had been entrusted to her, right? That's exactly right. First Timothy 6.20 says, Guard the p- deposit that's been entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely wow. called knowledge. Um, oh, snap. So school is a big deal. I think there's another ditch on this, this issue that people can fall into that says, Hey, we just want to teach our kids about the Lord and how to walk with him and they grow yep. up and they are dum-dums. Uh, yep. You know, That's they, right. they actually might be the smartest kids in the world, but they haven't been taught how to yes. read a book. They haven't been taught how to, you know, I, I remember even Stephen, you talking about as an adult going somewhere where they taught you for the first time how to watch a movie. Um, yes, that's right. And, even that type of experience is a different experience for just a passive lump on the couch who sits down and says, show me the latest Michael Bay, uh, blow everything up flick versus I'm looking for films that can teach me about the Lord's kingdom and yep. the world he's created. So there's, we, we are big believers in education. You know, I went to Princeton university, which is a big ritzy school you went to Texas A&M, but both of us were kind of looking for, especially I would say for both of us after college, we started developing an even more of a love for learning and yeah. both felt some degree of, man, I, I could have done a lot more with that time I had just to learn. If I can just follow that rabbit trail a little bit farther after school, I, I'm just thinking through what you're saying. I did a little time at, at um, Dallas Baptist University, take, taking some classes there. I, I spent, um, I lived in England for a while, and I went to school at Cambridge in their graduate program for a while, Cambridge University. And then what you're describing, um, the, the class I took on, on how to watch a movie was at Labrie. So in, in Switzerland, the Francis Schaeffer family, you know, they have this community called Labrie. He wrote a great little book. It can't be 60 pages long. It's called Art and the Bible, Francis Schaeffer. And I'm an artist. I'm a songwriter. And that little book was so uh, helpful to me in my seeing that things that are just artistic have value in themselves because they have value in God's heart. You can see the, 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 the way that he made creation. Not everything is about expediency. Not everything is about efficiency. Anyways, um, I, I just, 
wanted to underline what you're saying about the the love of learning should stop from should start from parents and flow all the way down into the kids and we are still becoming if you're listening to this and you're 60 years old you're still becoming who the lord designed you to be and so the love of learning and being curious and being willing to be a novice and a beginner whether it's learning how to surf or learning woodworking or learning how to cook in a in french food whatever I think that's a really valuable skill for us, just the love of learning. And it's something that you should champion in in your children. So go ahead, Mark. Yeah. So we're not here to to fully adjudicate the should you pay for college is a good deal or a ripoff question. I would actually love to have that conversation. I would love to bring on someone who is a hard no. I'm not sure I'm a hard yes, but I do think it is valuable to fund a time in your children's lives or your grandchildren's lives when they can devote themselves to learning in a setting with other people who they are kind of learning with. Um, yeah. Whether that looks like traditional college or not in the future, uh, I think the jury's out a little bit on that question. Um, sure. But today, it certainly does. So if you have a 17-year-old... Um, there's a good chance that they're going to be better off if they attend university. So what we're going to talk about today is just some of the basic so, truths. Of why, don't, why, don't you, why don't you just opine a second on the, uh, speak to the family who they've bought 30 acres out away from a city. They're kind of living self-sustained. They're, they're homeschooling or they're in a co-op and they th- they're like, my children love the Lord. It's going great. So why, why would I worry about giving my kids sociology classes or business classes? Why, why, would, why would I care about them being what you call smart? That's a good question. So I believe that there is, kind of, so I went to, in high school, I went to a school that was a very classical education we started with the oldest things that humanity had ever produced and built from there. We learned Latin and we added other languages on top of that. And so it was very, there was a deep understanding of the underpinnings of knowledge that helped me dramatically today, um, all the way down to that foundational level, uh, understand the word of God and communicate effectively. Um, and that's all valuable, but you could say to me, hey, I think I can get that in on YouTube now in terms of just understanding the good arguments. The, the epiphany I had here, uh, and this kind of informs my view of college, was when I went to business school and I went to just sort of a mid-tier business school. I was doing it because I was working for a company that paid for it at the time, um, and the caliber of classmate was not so hot. Uh, I would go to classes, and in some cases, the professors were less knowledgeable than I was about the topic. Uh, I'll never forget sitting in a corporate finance class, and I was running a relatively significant chunk of Freddie Mac's operations. Um, Insofar as as a 26-year-old can do that, I had a boss helping me and and such, but... um, and the professor, did, he was t- teaching about mortgage finance, and he didn't know what he was talking about. Um, and I thought, there is a huge difference between this 
environment where they let everyone in who was willing to pay their money um, and the environment from my undergrad or even from my high school where there was an expectation that you better bring good arguments or the other mm. people in the room are going to call you to the carpet. Um, mm. And so for me, what I'm looking for, for college, for my kids, if that's the path they go, is to put them in environments where they can, A, be tested in their ideas, but not be shoved towards, you know, kind of what we were just reading in First Timothy, like irreverent babble and contradictions falsely called yeah. knowledge. So I don't know that my kids, that I would feel good about them going to college where I went, because I've seen some strange things coming out of that university lately. Yeah. Um, but I do know that I want them to be put into a group of peers where they will not be able to get away with bad thinking. And it's hard for that to happen in any, any environment outside of kind of dedicated university uh, in, in my mind. There's probably other ways to do it, but I think that's a good good place. It certainly doesn't happen out on the farm. I agree. And just a verse I can throw in here is Lamentations 3.27. It says, it's good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. So the, the point is that in youth, it's good to put a healthy strain on our children, whether that's doing chores at the farm, um, um, expanding their minds and putting them into, if you got a kid who's gifted this way, into the toughest calculus they can get their brain around, but to stretch our children and see what their capabilities are so that as they come into adulthood, they have a choice. What, what, what's, what are the strains that I want to take on with my life? And for my money, I, I even want to expose my children to uh, arts and I want them to hear opera and I want them to travel to the desert and I want to give them a, a wide variety of experiences because of this idea. It's good for a man to bear the yoke while he's young and to stretch them and expand them. So I, I think that's what we're saying. Okay, so let's get to the nuts and bolts of, all right, so whether it is high school that I want them to go to a great high school that's a prep school to just push them uh, intellectually, or I already know that the, by Jove, we are Iowa State family, and I want my kids to go to Iowa State. Uh, what what are some things to think about that way, Mark? Yeah, so we we kind of have, have waxed philosophical and education for a second here, but... I've enjoyed it. The goal, I think, now is to talk about the thing that most people ask me when I sit down with the family to do planning, whether they have no kids and are planning to have kids or whether they have grandkids. It's very common. They don't ask you to wax philosophic about education? Uh, I have a few of those clients, but usually <laughs> they get they get enough of that without asking. So Yeah, okay. Um, uh, I think that as we talk about how to pay for this stuff, there's just some practical tips. Kind of my first basic truth here is that education is not retirement. Okay, so... Hmm. If you get to your retirement age, whether that's by choice because you worked for a long time and maybe you built up some assets and um, you are able to say, I'm not going to go to a job or go run my business anymore actively. Um, and if you get to that point, 
and you haven't saved enough money or created enough streams of income, you don't have the option of doing anything else but living on less or working longer. And true, some people don't have the option of working longer. I mean, we all hope to to be strong and healthy for a long time, but sometimes that's not possible. Um, yeah. With education, you do have options. If your kids get into a college and it makes sense for them to go there um, and you haven't saved a penny, they still have options. Um, True. So I always tell people, don't start saving when you're... I've talked to guys who were 25 years old that were not yet married, but they were saving aggressively for college because it's just expensive. And I commend the impulse completely, but it would be wiser to save that uh, first to secure kind of the long-term stability of the family, which means you're going to be able to pay your own bills, your needs, um, past the time you can no longer work, and, hey, maybe even generate some multi-generational wealth. Um, so education is not retirement. Um, that's how- that's great because I think a lot of people just have permanent anxiety that we're we're not saving enough for college. And and if their retirement is underfunded, you would say do do things like max out your IRA before you before you start putting money in education. You, you stole my thunder, but I'll forgive. Oh, I'm it. sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, the next thing I say, and I don't care if you have millions of dollars or uh, you can't even imagine contributing the maximum to an IRA, which is by the way six thousand dollars a year. Um, always top off those IRA accounts first. Um, So Roth IRAs are great. uh, And obviously that's because number one, they can be used for long-term retirement planning. But if you got into a situation where you said, well, I've been saving in these IRAs and I've built up some wealth there and I really want to contribute maybe some to my kid's college. Did you know that you can use an IRA to fund qualified education expenses? What? if you use a Roth, since you've already paid taxes on it, you won't be taxed on, on that. So it is an option. Um, and the reason I always tell people start here is because if you can only do one thing, when you start with the, the IRA, then you have the option when you get to that college age of saying, do I want to spend this on college or do I need right. to keep letting it grow because I haven't been able to save as much as I, I would have liked to for for retirement so there's some options there um oh mark you're so good at this no one could steal your thunder uh was that like a golem voice you were giving me there no it was okay. like it was like a caring aunt okay who, i've who, been reading who esteems you so highly okay um the last thing i'll say about iras is that uh if you if you put money in an IRA, it's effectively invisible to the FAFSA. So have you heard of the FAFSA, the Federal Application for Financial? I am so sad to say that I have. I, I wish I'd never had, but I have heard of FAFSA. Sure. When they, when you apply for college, you, you are encouraged generally to fill this out. And a lot of schools will use it to both decide how much loans you're eligible for from the government, but also... Uh, if they're going to give you any grants. So grants are great. That's just, hey, we're going to knock some off the top of the cost of this thing. And when they're evaluating how much you qualify for, they do not, they do not count parental retirement assets in that calculus, which is nice. So by putting money into the IRA, 
you're putting it somewhere where you can use it for education, but it's not going to count against you if you may be eligible for for federal aid or even from for grants. So start there. Um, the next thing most people think about is the 529 plan. Do you, do you have 529 plans for your kids, Stephen? I do, Mark. Okay. So what these are, they are... I have a Utah 529 plan, as a matter of fact. That's a good choice, although you do get uh-huh. a pretty decent tax benefit in Ohio for having one in the state of Ohio. Oh. So All right. Okay. You're, missing, you're missing about four grand a year in potential deduction. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I think that the 529 plan has some big pluses and some minuses. The big pluses are it is a tax-deferred account, so you don't get a deduction federally for putting money into a 529, but once you put it in there, it can grow tax-free until you take it out. And as long as you use it for qualified education expenses, you can take it out without paying taxes on it. Uh, So that's nice. You know, we've talked about in the past how money grows a whole lot faster when it's not being taxed every year on all the earnings than if it is being taxed. Yes. Um, I would say that, and I always talk to people about 529s, most folks say, I'm going to start a 529 when my child is born. That's as early as you're allowed to start one. And then I'm going to cash it out when they're 18 and they need to go to college. But there are other things that a 529 can be used for. Uh, so okay, gonna... get get ready, folks. Get get out those notepads and pencils. You're about to hear some other things that 529s could be used for. Get ready. Here they come. The standard path is to just save for, for 18 years or whatever until your kid's ready to sure, go to college. Sure, that's so boring. The, the next kind of option is to... to use that money for other expenses that are qualified before college. So did you know that a 529 could be used for secondary education? Let's say that you need to go to a private school. Um, It can also even be used as of very recently for homeschool expenses. So I knew that as well. Yeah, that's great. Tax-free growth for 18 years is nice, but it's not life-changing. You know what's really life-changing? Gender reassignment surgery? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, that's not what I was thinking of. Okay, I was thinking, thinking of tax-free growth for 40 or 50 years. Oh, that'll change your life. So if you set up a 529 account for a child and they don't use it when the, for college, let's say that you, you did some diligent saving early on in your family's uh, sort of financial life And then by the time your kids got to college, you were in a position to say, I'm just going to pay for this out of pocket. They went to the Ohio State University and you were able to fund it straight out of the earnings you had at that time. You can leave that account in place and let it grow until that child has kids. And that is a game changer in terms of compound interest because it can become maybe enough to... relatively small amount of initial investment could fund high school and college for all of your grandkids. That would be pretty cool. In the same 529? Sure. So the way that the beneficiaries, uh, there's a lot of flexibility in 529s. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of the combos, but pretty much if you have, uh, if you want to change beneficiaries and there's a 
direct relationship, it's very easy to do so. Uh, so it could be your kids, you could have one 529 for this kid and one for this kid, but only one of them goes to college. You could use all the funds on one kid. Uh, or for grandkids, you can maneuver them and you can even move them from, say you have a son and a daughter and the son has a bunch of grandkids and the daughter doesn't have as many, you can reshuffle that way too. So there's okay. a lot of flexibility. But that gets me yeah, pretty we have excited. A, that is great. We have a popular series on abrahamswallet.com called Wealth is Inevitable. And we talk about the long, if, you play, if you're playing the long game, which the Bible encourages us, us to do, it says little by little we, we gain prosperity. How would you like to just snap your fingers and say, I'm going to make certain that for definitely my great-grandchildren, nobody will ever worry about where they go educationally because I'm just going to make a decision to kill that permanently. May, you might can even do that for your grandchildren. Anyhow, that's exciting. And, and what came to mind when you're talking about paying for this stuff is um, my my family had zero dollars saved up for for college when when my sister and I went, and um, you know as it turned out Texas A and M at the time get ready for it cost twenty dollars per semester hour at the time, so my parents basically would pay for my semester of schooling with you know I don't know what what a nice meal would cost for for a family of four. That's great. What about that? Yeah, that's hilarious. There are benefits to the the state university program, especially in Texas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, the last kind of thing I want to talk about before I give you a, a fun hack for business owners is... All right, I like hacks. I, I should mention before I move on, there is a, there's a whole article on abrahamswallet.com about it's called the grandparent 529 and you can read up Mm. on all the details of what i just described and if you think i would like to use a 529 plan for multi-generational wealth go read that it'll give you all the details butte for families that are thinking yeah that's great but i just i can't get myself to lock up the money in an account that can only be used for qualified education expenses i understand that and there's really two ways that people go. Either they they go with uh, UTMA, which is a Uniform Transfer to Minors account, uh, or they might just create an account in their own name. And there's pluses and minuses to each of these paths. A UTMA account, it varies by state, but they're basically when your child reaches the age of majority. In California, that's 18. In some states, it's as late as 25. The... Uh, the account balance goes to the kid. It's their property. It's actually theirs before then, but they're not uh, the person that's the custodian of the account. So you as a parent can trade it. If you want to invest it, you can set all that up. Um, And the benefit of these accounts is that they get taxed to the child. And there is a deduction that makes it where the first couple thousand dollars of taxes on these accounts they don't get they don't apply because there's a there's an exemption for that amount um forgive me cpas i'm sure i'm using exemption the wrong way there yeah but nerds the so that's the benefit is you can actually save some money on taxes by doing it this way you would have to file a tax return for your kids um, the negative is as much as we 
endeavor to diligently train our kids to be ready to receive money that is intended for a specific purpose when they're 18. We aren't sure, I would say, that all of our kids are going to be ready to receive. No, we're not, Mark. We're not sure of that at all. I'm in the setting up trust world for kids. And like, you know, it's a responsible thing to do. Set up some trust. And then you just, and, and with some trust, you have to, declared the day that you set them up when the money is going to start being released and completely turn over to the kids and you're just crossing your fingers going i hope i don't raise a dum-dum that by age 18 or whatever the requirement is i hope they're going to be able to handle some money yeah so i i don't do this i don't do the utma account thing because and i i have my oldest daughter who's the one we have the best I guess, insight into how she's developing. Seems like the type of kid that could take all of our family wealth the day she turns 18 and multiply it. Yes, she does. But even so, I just feel like there's there's a lot of unknowns to to creating an account that by law will transfer no matter what um, to, to the child at that age. So I don't do that. I go with the option B, which is creating separate accounts that are in my name and my wife's name. Uh, actually held in our trust and then mm. having those in my mind be earmarked for each child and those could be used for education they could be used for weddings uh, they could they could be used to someday hire nice. viva bella events to plan oh. a destination wedding in florida because there's oh. a good chance that ohio will still be masked at that time um, you called it back in a wonderful way god bless you but the main benefit of doing it this way is it's really no hassle to set up. You don't have to file a tax return for your kids if they're not earning money. And you completely control it. And if you want to wait till they're 30 to give it to them, no problem because it's your money. Yeah. If you're going to do this with a humongous pile of money, then we need to have a conversation about lifetime gifting limitations and things like that. But you should just call me if that's you and we'll have a one-on-one. Yeah, that's right. So... Those are kind of my standard, here's how to save for education goals, and they're going to vary from how much flexibility you want in the money. If you said, we don't want anybody telling us any limitations, then you would go the route of creating just plain old taxable investment accounts in your name. If you said, well, we, we are okay with saving for retirement, and then if we really had to or decided to at the time, we could use some of that money for college then you would use IRAs. I highly recommend that for almost everybody. And lastly, if you said, no, we're a family that knows we want to do some form of higher education. And even if we had one of our our kids that didn't go to college, we'd be delighted that they could keep that account rolling and use it for their own kids to maybe attend a great private school or something like that. Then the 529 starts to look like a uh, pretty good option. So Okay, I'm... That's wonderful. I, I'm always sensitive when we talk about things like your dreamy insurance setup or your dreamy trust setup or when you finished maxing out IRAs and your 401k looks wonderful, then do this and this with it, with your investment money. I'm always sensitive to people who, okay, they are really struggling just to just to fill up that IRA on an annual basis. So just to reiterate, your rule of thumb for them would be don't worry about 529 plans. Don't worry about other educational savings. Just try to get to full on your annual IRA. Yep, that's right. 
Okay, that's good to know. So, because I know that some people feel like, well, if I have all, if I have a whole bunch of accounts that are thirty percent funded, that's better than not having them at all. But you're you're saying no, just just put all your all your eggs. If you only have a couple of them, put them in that that IRA tax benefited account. That's right. We want to get to the thing that we cannot catch up on later through taking a loan or getting a work study job. That's the thing that a lot of people forget is that I had a job in college. Did you have a job in college? I, I had many jobs in college. So, the you know, your kid can be like me and drive the campus bus around town. And yep. it was delightful. Some of my best times with the Lord in college came driving that bus that no one ever took. Um, <laughs> That's right. So I'm going to leave you with a fun little tricky hack that I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, but... It keeps, roll it out there again. Who cares? It keeps coming up with, with folks who maybe are the owners of a business. So if you or you and your spouse are the 100% owners of an LLC, then you can do this. If you're I'm listening. not, so Outpost Advisors is an LLC. What about an S Corp? Uh, if it's an actual S Corp, no. But if it's an LLC that gets taxed as an S Corp, you're good. Okay, I'm I'm listening. Outpost Advisors is an LLC, but I can't do this right now because you own some of Outpost Advisors, for example. Uh-huh. So it's got to be 100% ownership. Now, okay. if you're in that position, then most of the laws about child labor do not apply to you. You can actually pay your kids to work even when they're very, very young. Uh, there are a couple rules. I don't think they're allowed to do any... Um, like oil refining or toxic they metals. Can't, mining. They can't dig up coal for you because it could get into their lungs. Right. Which, okay. I mean, my libertarian streak says, what the heck? But You're right. If I want that black dust in my kids' lungs, give me the freedom to do so. Now, if that's you, you can pay your kids to work in your business at any age. Uh, and The rule with Roth IRAs is that you can put money in as long as you have earned income, which means if your kid just wants to have a Roth IRA, but they don't have a job, which most three-year-olds don't have a job, they're out of luck. Nobody will hire them. No Roth IRA for them. Uh, But if they are your kid and you're allowed to pay them earned income from your business, suddenly they can have a Roth IRA. And if you wanted to go full crazy with this and max out that Roth IRA from the time, let's say your child was three until the time they turned 65, let's say for, for their childhood, you're maxing it out and they just carry that on as they, they grow. They, they learn this good habit from you and they keep doing it themselves. $6,000 a year. Um, how much do you think they have when they turn 65 and they're thinking maybe I'll retire? Plenty. Uh, I I did the math and it's right at six million dollars. Oh my gosh! If we get a seven percent wow. return, um, now wow. let's say you taught them all the right things, but they didn't start that early. They started at still a very nice early age of twenty five. Now, how oh, much wow. do they have at sixty five, Stephen? Give me a guess. You said they had six million if they started at age five, three, age three. Okay, so I'm going to say they have. A million and a half at 25. You're real close. It's 1.2 million using the same assumptions. Okay. So 
I know that's not available to everybody, but the cool thing is that, again, could be used partially to fund their education. Uh, so you can think, yes. I, I'm loving this hack. I'm going to ask a follow-up question. Okay, so I have a 11-year-old who is starting to do babysitting. Can I create a family LLC called Manual Babysitting and hire her as an employee? Um, you could do that. I think that the the pain of filing taxes for that LLC, paying the the registration fees, etc., might be worse than the benefit unless she's making okay, a so whole lot of money. Okay, so it's better to just okay, it's better just piggyback it on a on an existing business. Yeah, the thing I was going to say is there are some caveats to this. You can't go paying your your daughters $50 an hour to clean your office if the going market rate is $15 an hour. It has to be a reasonable wage. And so the the most common thing I see among business owners with little kids is they use their children as models. So everybody's doing social media posts or you know, hey, we have a restaurant. We're going to take pictures of our family. And it's totally reasonable to pay a fairly fat check to a kid for taking one picture that gets used in a marketing campaign. Um, if you do any video content or, like I said, social media, that's all fair game. Uh, and it's something that little kids can do with very little time and actually earn right up to huh. that $6,000 amount. Um, that's great. There's other things about paying your kids that just create great tax benefits for you. So we're not going to talk about that today because we're talking education. But I really like it because what I see sometimes is people striving to put as much away as possible for education and they don't know if they're a business owner that this is an opportunity to kind of create really flexible. It's not locked into the 529. Could be for retirement, could be for education. And it's a fun it's a fun way to to get your kids involved in the family business and they will thank you. Even if they don't right. continue contributing, they will, when they get old, they will go, wow, mom and dad that is really a quality hack. Okay. So let me just ask, um, we've got a friend named, uh, Rory Groves who has, he moved from coding to running a family farm. He's got little kids. And so could he pay his kids, um, to, to do the chores on the farm? Sure. So as long as okay. the, you keep track of that and then reflect it appropriately in your taxes, um, you know, I would, if you're going to do this, I would recommend that you work with your CPA because they are the ones that are going to put their signature on your tax return and say, this is all kosher. But um, there's no reason that you couldn't. We just would want to really be sure we weren't paying Rory's children, you know, a hundred dollars an hour to go get the eggs or, or whatever right. they're doing. And you can pay them, you can pay them directly into the Roth. Uh, you would want to pay them and then contribute to the Roth. Just, okay. um, that, that's probably more of a, a CPA question to ask. All right. What do we need right. to do to, to stay on the good side of the IRS? Love it. Good hack, Mark, and great stuff on both education and education savings. All right. Awesome. We done? I think we're done. Wonderful. Appreciate it, Mark. And uh, we wish everybody a happy March. And we encourage you to take some time this month considering parenting, education, and why you're doing what you're doing. Yep. Maybe next week we'll come back with some, some tips for those who are trying to pay for their own education or trying to deal with their parenting stress. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. All right, thank you, Mark. 